Go back into South Bend's history. 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, and what do you see? You see groups of people working to bring change to this city. They had different ideas of what that change should be. They didn't always agree. Yet, in every decade, there were groups of people for whom positive change was their life's work. This podcast, South Bend's Own Words, features the voices of people who helped make this city change. We'll share clips from the oral histories done by the Indiana University South Bend Civil Rights Heritage Center that tell a more complete history of the city. It's the story of many cultures, not just one. It's the story of South Bend. Rebecca Ruvelcaba grew up during an era of great change in South Bend's west side. The daughter of migrant farm workers, she witnessed the growth of the Latines community from early originators, like her father, Benito Salazar. Rebecca's parents instilled in her a desire to learn and to serve. She adapted to a late-in-life diagnosis of dyslexia to earn degrees from Indiana University South Bend and the University of Notre Dame. She became a social worker, a director of La Casa de Amistad, and after earning her Master's of Divinity degree, served in various leadership roles at the University of Notre Dame. In 2018, I sat down with Rebecca. We talked about her roots in South Bend's migrant farm community, her growth as a learner and as a leader, and her continued passion for serving her community. And could you just state your name, please? Sure. Uh, my name is Rebecca Rubalcaba um, Salazar, I should say. My, my maiden name is Salazar. Any relation to Benito? He's my dad. Um, did your family come, where, where, where did your family come from? Well, um, it's, it's particular history. My mom was born in Texas, but she was one month old when I came to South Bend. Her family had already started the migration in regards to farm work from Texas to South Bend. So she had her aunts and uncles that were already kind of established here. And um, in 1952, um, her family came over and my grandfather became a foreman uh, for Snyder's um, Farms. Mm -hmm. And so they were able to stay as seasonal workers and, and, and trans, I guess, started to come out of migrant farm work and, and became seasonal. And um, he was in charge of the farm. And my dad, on the other hand, was a migrant worker uh, for most of his uh, youth and uh, young adult life. So he was born in Arkansas and did cotton in Arkansas. And then at seven years old, he moved to Florida and they did um, flowers and gladiolas and um, oranges and things like that. And so their migratory was Arkansas, Florida, Ohio, Indiana, and back to Florida um, consistently through his life. It wasn't until he was like 16 years old that his family um, start, uh, settled here in, in South Bend, St. Joseph County, also at Snyder's Farms. Mm -hmm is where he he stayed and so they worked between martin blad and snyder um, usually in st joseph county so they were able to uh, make that transition from migratory farm work to uh, mm -hmm. i guess stable farm work here mm -hmm. 
um, uh, before you were born. Exactly. And, and when I was born, they had already, um, my dad had already settled out of homework. He was working in factory still warehouse at that time. Um, had, uh, my mom had graduated from high school, Washington High School on the west side of South Bend. Did you work on the farms as well? Or? I did. Um, uh, it was about 10 years old. I think it was the first time that I worked. Uh, I worked in strawberry in Michigan and cucumber. And it was mostly because uh, I was kind of asking my dad for constantly, I want to go do this, I want to go do that. And he just said, you know what, Miha? Um, maybe it's time that we learn where, where money comes from. Uh, I just really came to realize that just the, the value of a dollar and the hard work that is put into the food that comes to our table. And since I was 10 years old, I have not stopped working. I've always worked mm -hmm. and just in different things. But that being said, too, to be able to save is about being able to uh, to be also also to help because I would help with my siblings in things that they wanted uh, to do. Um, so, yeah, being able to take care of my family as well. That means staying along. Because Western Avenue at that point was really starting to change too. Yeah, it could have been just uh, at that time uh, at the uh, La Mexicana, which was on Western Avenue, there was just one Mexican store mm -hmm. and was able to be able to just go in and buy my favorite candies, Mexican candies or yeah. whatever that was, or, or to be able to go to a movie with my friends and things like that. Mm -hmm. We used to have a gentleman that used to make bread in his home and then go house to house where Latinos lived and sell from his station wagon. Oh, wow. I remember him showing up at our house selling um, um, pan dulce mm -hmm. at our house. And then another gentleman in the back of his truck would come from like Chicago with things that the Mexican store wouldn't necessarily have, but he would come from Chicago in his truck and have just different things back there, like the, the limes and the bales and just different things, just more particular. What were some of the other places? Um, there was a restaurant that I remember, which is now, um, it's over by Col uh, um, Four Winds Baseball. Mm -hmm. It used to be the Kovaleski. Mm -hmm. On the corner there, which is now the Granger Community Church mm -hmm. owns that area there, mm -hmm. used to be a Mexican restaurant in there, and I remember that. Um, and they're the ones that gave us permission to paint a mural there. Um, my dad in the 70s with his youth group from La Casa um, painted this beautiful mural there. And I was there for when that happened. Yeah. And um, But I remember that restaurant. And regrettably, it was painted over yes. in the early 2000s. I want to go through your uh, uh, educational experiences as well. Mm -hmm. So you started school at? Um, I went to Harrison Elementary School. Um, actually, I started at Oliver. Um, and then they, they that's when they started transferring like bilingual education and things like that. And then I went to Harrison. Um, I, was, I was in bilingual ed, ed until fourth grade. Did you, before you started school, did you know English? Were you speaking exclusively Spanish at home? It was mostly Spanish yeah. at home. And then when I started school, my parents were fully bilingual, okay. um, but my grandparents weren't. And sure. so my grandparents lived with us when I was little. And so it was mostly Spanish at home. Um, I went into bilingual ed, but bilingual ed was different than I remember back then. 
So it's more about maintaining um, our, our Spanish, but having an education in it. And so for four years, that's really what I knew bilingual education to be. It wasn't yeah. about assimilation or um, having people then um, um, learn English to be a, a kind of assimilated into other uh, mainstreamed into regular classes in essence. Then I finished there, went to Navarre mm -hmm. and Washington High School, graduated in 91. Mm -hmm. um, when I was at Washington, I applied to different colleges, um, five of them to be exact, and I got help from Sister Marianne at La Casa de Amistad. Um, I remember, because uh, it was often told to me, not by my parents, because they were just so adamant about education, but just people outside of that, other family members, and, and just saying, you know, there's just no way you're going to be able to go to those schools that you're applying to, like St. Mary's, Stanford, Colorado State University, um, IU Bloomington, um, and I think my fifth one was Brown that I applied to. And three, uh, four out of the five I was accepted to. But I remember That's being great. told that it wasn't that I was going to be able to. I was in public education, Washington High School. Who who was telling you that? Family members outside of outside of my parents. And my parents were the ones just like, no, you can and you will, you know. And and so I got in. <laughs> and I started at St. Mary's. Mm -hmm. I was there for a year and a half. It's just certain things. It wasn't just, it just didn't feel like home for me. And that's when I went to IU South Bend. Um, and I worked full time. One of the things was is that I never wanted my parents to pay for my education. They just couldn't. And St. Mary's is a lot more expensive it than IU South Bend. That's for sure. Way more expensive. Was that difference that you said part of the reason why St. Mary's didn't feel like home? At the time that I was at St. Mary's in 1991-92, uh, it was 5% diversity at the school. That included international students and uh, domestic students. Wow. So it wasn't... Basically 95% white. Yes. And um, and just the socioeconomic too. And, and, and just knowing that I was there on financial aid, work study, and so I was working on campus, taking classes, and um, it was just so much more, uh, so more difficult, but it was obvious of the differences in regards to socioeconomic, things that I, that I couldn't do, and, and seeing how just, because it was just mainly because of finances, and my mom and my dad in, in regards to education. Um, my dad told me, um, when he left me at St. Mary's when I stayed on campus. You know, um, education is something that no one can ever take away from you. Once you know something, it's part of you. So value yes. the fact that, that you are here and take full advantage of all that you can, is what he told me. And that stayed with me and it stays with me till today in everything that I do. Um, and just knowing that he he and my mom were just as migrant farm workers knew the importance of an education and where it could possibly take me, and so that's what it was. Yeah. 
And when I went to St. Mary's, I'm grateful for uh, my professor in psychology. She's the one that sat with me. She goes, have you ever thought of this diagnosis? You know, let's do some tests and things like that. And I think you're dyslexic is what she told me. Hmm. It It was my professor. And so, yeah, it was my freshman year there. And they taught me how to take notes differently. Um, color coordinating my notes and different things like that. So it was awesome that I took from St. Mary's, um, which brought me to IU South Bend. So you you earned your bachelor's degree at IU South Bend. Yes, in psychology. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us about your experiences there? I mean, I, I know you shared a little, but I would love to hear you expand on that. Too. Um, it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked it. I, I know I didn't get involved a whole much in regards to the campus life and things like that because I worked full-time. I valued the flexibility of the classes that were offered there. And that being said, I think being able to be part of such a diverse campus really allowed me to be who I was and who I am in essence and to grow in that. Tell me more about that. Um, I think because I had freedom to express who I was as a Latina, um, as a Catholic even, um, and then having friends that, you know, I had a friend that was Muslim and to be able to talk, uh, you know, just freely in regards to who we were and to be who we were in and through our classes was just awesome. And so I think that allowed me to grow and to be able to understand how, even though we're different, can still be able to work towards a similar goal. Um, contributing to how I grew up in my own family. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter where you come from, um, there's still this value of education. Um, And I think it contributed to eventually being part of how I would serve in the community later in a diverse setting. I then went to uh, work with the um, South Bend Community School Corporation and worked with the Head Start program. Mm As a um, caseworker, I was a family specialist, is what the title was. When was this? It was right after graduation, 2005. I started that um, that fall, that August of 2005. I was there for a year and a half. So it was like January of 2007. That is when I started at La Casa. That had been this part of your life. Mm-hmm. And the job opens up to, to lead it. Um, exactly. T- tell me more. Well, I wasn't looking for the job. They kind of came and found me, in essence. Uh, board. The board? Uh, the board. Yeah. Um, at that some time. Of the people on at the time? Jesusa Rivera, uh, Rudy Monterrosa, uh, Margot DeMont. And so. I had had a conversation with Jesusa Rivera and also Lolita Anastasia that had um, had phoned me if, if I would apply for the position. And I, the first thing I told her, I go, I'm flattered, but no. I, um, because she gave me a description of what they were looking for and every, everything. And I remember it was at a dinner or luncheon for, uh, we would come together for um, Olga Villaparra and Ricardo Parra from um, um, Indianapolis at that time. They were, she had received an award at Notre Dame and we were there. And there was a couple of the board members from La Casa and her and 
It's like, why would you consider this? And I just, and they were telling me what it was. And I was like, no, I don't think I'm qualified for that. Um, and I didn't. I wasn't, to be honest. I was looking for a person with a master's degree. I just barely had gotten my bachelor's. Um, uh, looking for someone with experience in administration and things like that. I had no experience. I was a social worker, in essence, for years. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was just things I just, and I didn't want to put myself in that, you know, I just felt there was just, just so much more that was needed that I just did not have. And that being said, I started, and that first week was United Way applications for mm -hmm. funding. I had no history, no idea on how to write a grant. No idea. So I kind of taught myself, in essence. Well, I, I want to ask what that thing in your heart was, because you talk about mm -hmm. uh, going to St. Stephen's, um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, some of the uh, uh, community events that they did as a kid going to St. Adalbert. So it's clear that church has always been with you in your life. Mm -hmm. And I'd, it's, I'd love for you to speak more to what it meant to you and what some of your experiences yeah. with the churches here were. And, and then leading up to what your chosen uh, career is now. The social justice focus that has mm -hmm. always been part of my life, mm -hmm. um, but also part of the church itself um, and the work that it's done uh, and continues to do. I think was what really made my heart move. And I knew it, there had to be more because I could feel it. Um, I started, like I said, started feeling, okay, my work at La Casa is coming to an end. Someone else has to be here. I told the board that. Mm -hmm. I remember telling them that. It's like, I just feel that, you know, this is coming to an end here and I just need to let you know what I'm feeling. I'm looking at schools um, and programs I don't know yet but I'll let you know once I know so I looked at these two schools talked to the people um, and decided after those talks that it was the MDiv program the Masters of Divinity program that my heart was being pulled more in that direction um, knowing that it would never be disconnected fully from the work of the community it can only be enhanced mm -hmm. and so yeah that's how it started and yeah. and um i applied for the mdiv i was accepted um, at notre dame i think more than anything uh, my life in my in my faith life has never been disconnected from my family life and my work life it's always been connected and that was because of how my parents, again, how, how they raised us. That everything that we do um, in this world is because we've been called to do it for a greater good, uh, not for ourselves. Um, and so as a kid, being raised um, in this family and at St. Stephen's, it was about, you know, um, watching my parents involved with La Casa de Amistad, which was part of St. Stephen's, came out of St. Stephen's. And um, the youth groups there and how he worked with the youth, how my mom was, you know, by his side, um, singing at mass. Um, and we, I was, I played the drums, I played the congas, you know, and the church choir, um, going out to the nursing homes and singing in the nursing homes. Um, 
but at the same time too knowing where you came from going out to the migrant fields you know um being part of, my dad part of the cesar chavez movements in the 70s with the no grapes campaign mm -hmm. and knowing about that and having pride in that um so it was all connected my faith life my church life was my family life it was my work life everything that i did and have done has been for the fact of how can i be able to contribute um to um someone else's life and making it better and my dad always said you know there's three things you have to do do just do well in school you know um that's your job and you know figure out do something in the community um whatever that might be in the church or you know and then um have a sport or something that you're involved in through school those were the three things he wanted us to do so the fact that i had a job was in addition to what he really wanted everybody again thank you so much no thank you south bend's own words was created by kevin tidmarsh and me george garner this episode was produced by natalie villalobos and by me through the IU South Bend Civil Rights Heritage Center. Visit us and learn how IU South Bend students inspired the transformation of a once segregated South Bend swimming pool. We give guided tours and offer public events that show how the history of oppression echoes through the city today. See and hear more history, plan your visit, or share your thoughts about this episode all at crhc.iusb.edu.